Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Timothy Dotson. I'm Trenton Alak. And I'm Donald Garrett. And this is the Passion Cast. So in today's episode, we're going to be talking about humility. Um, we got our outline here. Uh, before we jump in, we've had a very busy couple months. Um, I'm not even going to talk about how much time we've had to record any episodes. We, I do have uh, uh, some episodes, or at least one right now, that's ready to be published. Um, that, that's just kind of sitting in the ammunition box. Uh, that's probably a bad way to, uh, I guess, describe it. But anyway, so we hope you've had a wonderful holiday season. Valentine's Day is actually coming up. It's actually... 10:54 at night right now that, that we're recording. Um, so anyway, today we're talking about humility. Um, and our very first topic on the outline is shame leads to pride. Go ahead and start us off, Trin. So when we kind of discussed pre-episode how we wanted to go about talking about humility after we had decided that that was going to be our topic, we kind of found ourselves having trouble at first, and then Tim had something that we'll go into later on, and we just branched everything off from that. And so one of the first things that we're hitting on, as he said, is the relationship between shame and pride. I don't know if we've gone into this yet, but I believe that shame is the ultimate source of sin. And I don't know, if have we gone into that? No, I don't believe so. I don't think we've really hit on it in... in complete detail like we, we've not really picked it apart yet so well do you think we should or just yeah I mean you, you do a little snippet on it okay so, I mean, yeah I'd love that do you have anything about that before I start on it or sh- uh, shame leading to sin or yeah like shame being the origin of all uh, sin I mean no not not really not right now so I mean if you got if you got anything to say about it go ahead and let it out I guess shame being what leads to sin ties into the fact that shame leads to pride because sin is our natural response to shame. Mm-hmm. As in, it's either a distraction for us or a way that we protect ourselves from the shame that we feel. This actually gives me the opportunity to go into something that I plan on preaching on eventually that I have realized recently. And after I told Zarek, he told me like, he actually heard of that preached on like a couple months before he said it. But like- I think he said like when he first, uh, it was like one of his first sermons. No, 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 this is a different thing. Oh, okay. No, 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 right. this is something like I, he I heard apparently. Somebody that we know actually separately <clears throat> found that out or thought about that. But it's the part in the Bible in Genesis where, you know, Adam and Eve have eaten of the fruit Mm-hmm. And they're talking to God, and they're, and they're talking about the fact that they're naked. Right. And, and God asks, I don't know why Donald's flipping through his Bible. He's not going to find it in here because that's a that's a TPT, and they haven't translated most of the Old Testament that's yet. That's true. Are you trying to get a Genesis? <laughs> I'm sorry. We'll find it eventually. That's a side point. In the TPT. <laughs> yeah, give it until about 2027. You'll find it. Yeah. Uh, sorry, that was a complete side tangent. But basically, God asked them, who, who told you you were naked? Because you've got to understand, when they were naked before God, 
they didn't have anything to hide. Mm -hmm. They were ashamed of nothing. They were fully and completely who they were before God with no insecurities until Satan came and tempted Eve with the insecurity of her not being at the level of God and told her, you can be like God if you eat of the apple. Despite the fact that they were made in the likeness of God, he, Satan tempted Eve with the apple, as, as Zarek likes to say, and as Damon Thompson before him likes to say, she ate of the I am not tree. She gave in to what she wasn't, or what she thought she wasn't, right? She didn't realize she was already like God. And that shame led to her eating of the apple. And shame tied into them being, them realizing that they were naked. All of a sudden, they realized all the things that they were insecure about. And God told, God was asking them in the moment, not who told you you were naked as in he didn't know, but who told you were naked as in who told you that you had to be ashamed? Who told you that you had to feel this way? And so, you know, going off of that, shame leads to all sin, as I said before. Sin is a defense against shame, or it's a way to distract us, us from it. It's an escape. Mm -hmm. And the way that sin leads to pride is that pride is like the tower that we build. It's the walls that we construct to protect ourselves from shame and from our insecurities when we don't let God do that for us. So I've seen people before talk about their pride when I've talked to them about pride. And they've told me in the past, well, I need it. Because if, I, if I'm prideful, if I get to talk myself up all the time, I won't feel as bad about myself. And they don't understand that it's hollow. And that that pride is them hiding from their insecurities. Right. Not them solving their insecurities. And that's, that's how shame is a direct cause of pride. And it's such a hard thing to do when maintaining that pride. It's like, I like to think that pride is built with a foundation of shame. If you're going to use a, a, like a, I guess like a fortress kind of type of analogy with it, um, a visualization, it's like, and, and the cool thing is, is that you think about it, that pride will lose its foundation once you encounter God in the way that you need to because that foundation gets ripped out from under all that pride. And, uh, you know, there, there's a huge thing. I, I feel like uh, uh, I know for a fact that the Lord gave me a word a couple nights ago, um, and I, I'm very excited to give it. I'm, I'm going to be doing a episode that's just uh, me where I can go into it because uh, these two guys that are with me right now, they, I haven't really, like, gone into the fullness of uh, what, what I've wrote down and, and what I feel like God has spoken to me on it. But it's a really cool, like, just deep dive into the character of Jesus. And that's why, you know, we're talking about humility tonight is because uh, it, it's just, it's a, it's a huge thing that um, a lot of people struggle with. You know, you could say humility, humility isn't just based off of uh, what you have and what you don't have, like in terms of, uh, you know, physical things. We're talking, we're not just talking about that, we're talking about it in a, in a character way, like humbleness in a sense of, I, I don't have to prove myself to anyone. Um, 
not even myself. It's the difference between feeling the need to get the last word in, even when it won't benefit you whatsoever, because it'll make you feel just that little bit better, and deciding this will, this will give me nothing, nobody will benefit from it. It's the thing, pride is the thing that causes us to start arguments we don't need to be in. Yeah. That divide friendships and that hurt people that we're around because we feel the need to pump ourselves up and to make ourselves feel better. Like I said, pride is like our protection against shame and insecurity. And if we're insecure about something and we feel that that's being in any way attacked, that wall of pride goes right up and that can separate friendships. That can cause us to say things we don't really mean and do things we don't really want to do because we're so scared of that insecurity getting touched, that little nerve being pricked that we right. have to push it away as far as humanly possible. And sometimes we'll hurt people in ways we don't mean to in that process. I, I want to, and I'm going to say this later on when we get to a later point, this is something I'd like to do regularly is a call for introspection in the listeners and in ourselves sitting at this table. Do you often find yourself putting yourself in a position where you're in arguments you don't need to be in or where you're not listening to people who you know they're giving you good points simply because it like it flares you up and sometimes you don't even know why it causes you to flare up in this way. But, but hearing those words cause you to get angry, you get flustered, and you feel like you just got to get away from it, right? Mm -hmm. Do you put, are you in that place on a regular basis? Well, Donald, do you got anything to add on to that, bro? Like, not, not talking about, like, the next uh, topic, like, the next uh, point, but just, like, on that specific thing, shame uh, being tied in with pride. Uh, unless you want me to go into that. I mean, if, if you don't get anything for the first point, go ahead and jump into to the okay. one that you made before we started. So, <clears throat> we mentioned the idea of, like, sin being, like, uh, a byproduct of shame and guilt. Or as uh, Pastor Blake Nivelle put it in his, his sermon at Winter Conference, uh, Sin is like a, a sickness uh, caused by the ultimate source of fear, which which is go it goes hand in hand with shame and guilt and fear. They all go hand in hand, and uh, it's <clears throat> and when you notice in Genesis when they realize that they need to be ashamed, it's when they start to believe the lie. It's, it's when they start to doubt or question their relationship to God and their relationship to their own existence. And so that, that shame and the guilt and the fear that will ultimately lead to sin, which can ultimately lead to pride and all sorts of other things, that shame and that fear really comes from a broken relationship with God mm. and with your own existence. It's it's uh, like when they ate of the apple, they started to doubt God, and it's like they, it's kind of like they, uh, well, how would you put it? Like twisted the relationship in a way. Because they, they ate of something and partook of something that was not like them. It's. It contradicted them. Yeah, yeah, and that's the best way to put it. It's just that it's, it contradicted them, 
And when they partook of it and it became a part of them, that's when the relationship to existence and God was kind of contorted. And that led to shame, that led to guilt, that led to fear, which led, I mean, like, which was tied into sin. Can I uh, also say, this isn't actually to add to what he said. I just want to say, Blake Novella, if you're listening, absolutely did love that sermon, by the way. It was very good. Actually, I texted him uh, probably like the night after or maybe the night of that we got back home. He said that he's been listening to the podcast. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And like that, that is such an honor to know that. Like, I, I love it when people like tell me that, hey, I've been listening to the podcast, dude. It makes me like overjoyous. Like I... I get overjoyed when I hear that because it makes me like feel good about it and it encourages me to keep going. But like uh, I told him, because you know, we, we made a point and I forget which episode it was, but we made a point about sin being, we, tie, we like tied it in with being a parasite mm-hmm. and he tied it into being sickness. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I was like, I texted him, I was like, yeah, maybe, maybe it's some confirmation, you know. So, so, yeah, it's just really cool stuff how, you know, not talking to someone about a point that you've made and then they got they got the same thing. And it's like, yeah, definitely Actually, Holy Ghost. From that, this is somewhat unrelated, but if you've seen my Facebook and you've seen Zarek's Facebook, me and him made a post on like the exact same thing in almost the exact same way in the same hour. I don't know if you've noticed that. No, I, I, they, I'm going to be honest. When I go on Facebook, I either do it to make a post about the Passion Cast or uh, literally just to scroll through. And it's not even that like I sit there and I look at people's posts. I don't know why I do it. I just sit there and I scroll. <laughs> I just scroll through. I'm usually I'm more mission focused, I suppose, on Facebook. I don't sit there and look at a bunch of people's posts, bro. I just scroll through it. I I like going through it to look at some of the ads because they're freaking they're they're crazy. They're very stupid, but I, I don't, I don't know, dude. It's just weird. It's something mm-hmm. weird that I do. But um, yeah, that, that was just a an awesome point when a what Donald went over is that shame comes from a broken relationship with existence and God. Um, that's that's just beautifully put. Um, so I, I guess you got anything to add on to his point, or did you already? Uh, not technically, but no, I don't really have anything. Okay, yeah, me neither. Okay, so yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead and we'll move on to uh, our next point that we have on the paper. Um, pride and sin go hand in hand. So that's actually a part of something that I feel like God revealed to me the other night. And that's going to be on an episode that's just me because, like I said, these guys, I haven't really been able to sit here and just like... Uh, flush it all out for these guys uh, for them to hear it. I'll actually Wednesday night at the Bay if you're listening and you're in Red Bay Alabama or uh, anywhere in the surrounding area and you're free Wednesday night at 6.30 feel free to come on down to the Bay for Hilltop Youth yours truly will be speaking and giving a sermon uh, so yeah, check, come, and, come and check it out, not because nice of me plug. Yeah, we'll, we'll, you know I gotta help, you know. I gotta help the bay out, you know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because our millions of <laughs> our, our millions of viewers are definitely gonna need to hear that. 
Dude, um, let's just become super prideful right now. I want to do it. Yeah. Uh, all of our fans, you, we're leeching off of you. <laughs> we're taking advantage of your viewership. All of our validation, you're actually the source, not God. I want you to know that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. Retract your statement, Trent. The Passion Cast is finished. It's done for. There's a very. We gotta make some PR moves. But anyway. Just uh, joshing. Yeah, just joshing. Um, I don't know who Josh is, though. <laughs> Why is he looking around? Anyway. Uh, but yeah, so like, it, it's a point that, um, has really been hitting me recently, is the fact that, uh, I feel, and I, I really do need to meditate and look into it more on, on this point, but, um, pride and sin going hand in hand. I feel that a lot of people in church, just, just the church scene, you know, so many people, a big point of Christianity, a big point that a lot of people have made Christianity about is not sinning or how much you sin, that that kind of type of deal. And it's very far from it. It's about the love of God. It's about who God is. It's about who you are in God, uh, your identity, his identity, knowing who you are and what should be. And it's a, God takes care of everything, you know, da-da-da-da-da. Uh, that, that's a whole other point. But when people talk about sin and how we should stay away from it and stuff, it's like, think, think about it this way. You oftentimes, a lot of people oftentimes think, I got to do this for God. I got I to gotta do this so that uh, I can honor God or that God will honor me and this and that. Why do you have to do it? What, what, what about you is supposed to do anything? I, I, if I'm not mistaken, the only thing you should probably do is rely on God. Uh, oh man, I, I, I just wish I could just preach preach it what I, what I got dude but it, it is so there's there's so much to it that just I, I, I could go like for over an hour but taking a look at Jesus he didn't he didn't rely on himself even though that he was God we got we still got to consider Jesus's humanity because Jesus still came down and was human he was born a human and he walked the earth as human, not as a um, spiritual entity that, you know, is just like, I guess, ghostly. Uh, he, he was human. And I I've also feel that that's why so many people were able to just, like, the intimacy with Jesus was there just because of God coming down in human form getting down on uh, on humanity's level and just seeing eye to eye with humanity but um he didn't rely on himself he relied on his father and uh jesus was the most humble human being that to ever walk planet earth it's because he knew who he was who his father was who or and and what 
the plan was that, that God had for his life. In knowing that, Jesus had to submit every ounce of his life to God so that he could live a sinless life in order to set humanity free. You know what's crazy? It just came to my mind. Uh, I'm sorry for cutting you off. No, dude, you're good. Go ahead. I mean, if you think about it, how often in the Bible does it say that Jesus went off from the group to be on his own just to pray? It, it, I think we oftentimes, and to an extent, he certainly did. We just assume everything immediately came to him from God. Right. I mean, he is God. But that everything just immediately popped into his mind instantly. Boom, 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 boom. But no, there were things that he himself had to pray about. He had to fast. He fasted. He had to spend his time praying and communing with God instead of just having it all come to him immediately. He didn't. He, he didn't. Right. You know, it's just like, it's something that's been continuously hitting at my mind. And it's just like, you know, staying in constant contact with God. And it's like Jesus being tempted for 40 days and 40 nights in the forest by Satan himself. It was, it was a huge thing. What did he do? Before going in there, he didn't put his hands on his hips and say, yo, dad, check this out. I'm about to. I'm about to kick sin's rear end when I go in here. All, all the temptation, yeah, I got this, watch. No, he knew what he was about to go into. So he put all reliance, all, like, he, every bit, he submitted every bit of himself to God because he knew, he knew that his humanity, his humanity would get in the way. It would be prideful of him to try and take the the lead in that and and not allow God to help him. It, it, it was it was something that I said before we did started the episode. Sin is our natural predator. It's like I don't know if you could really say if it was designed to uh, do what it does, but its intentions and and it, and its design is meant to destroy us. It's meant to rip us apart. That's why shame and guilt is such a huge thing. In Romans 8, it talks about how God doesn't, he doesn't condemn humanity, he condemns the guilt and power of shame or, or sin. As Blake Novell put it, if a person, Pastor Blake Novell, I should put that pastor first, I think, mm -hmm. but as he put it beautifully, because sin is a sickness, because that's how Jesus described it, mm -hmm. as a sickness. If if you had a family member get sick, would you get mad at them? It, like if your grandma got cancer, would you would you scream at your grandma in anger? Tell her she needs to straighten up and stop being sick. It would, or would you get mad at the cancer? It would be very irrational to do that. And it's like we're 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 inflicted with these kinds of things. That's why in in the same episode where we talked about sin being a parasite. I talked about human beings being victim to sin, to, to guilt, to shame, to all these things that are working against us to try and keep us separated from knowing who we are in God. And uh, man, I, I don't know, it's, it's just a huge thing. You know, it's like, too, a lot of people would probably hear what I'm saying and think, because I, I have seen 
I have seen uh, things like I, I literally looked it up the other day while researching um, for the sermon that I'm writing, and uh, John eight eleven, the forgiven adulteress, the the adulterous woman. Mm-hmm. I like calling her the forgiven adulteress rather than just the adulterous woman. Um, but I literally saw various, not just one, but various articles where it says, why did Jesus say in John 8, 11, to go sin no more if it's impossible for us to sin no more? Where does it say that it's impossible for humanity to be free from sin? Is that is that not the whole point of why Jesus came? What, what, what's all this talk about setting the captives free and 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 cleansing us? It, it's it's almost like the church has fallen so deep into shame and guilt. It's almost like we preach it and we teach it and just push it on everyone else because it's all that people know. It's all that people know. That, that's why the, just the, the guilt and power of shame has just become more prevalent in people's lives rather than the power of God and the love of God. And yeah, I don't know, man. It, it's just, I could keep going and going and going. Can I add to that? Yeah, go ahead. I think a big part of that too is people very often, and I've seen it, conflate shame with humbleness, mm-hmm. which is, Probably one of the most dangerous yeah. things you can do yeah. for yourself. Was, Je- was Jesus shaming himself? No, <laughs> so never. I mean. Or did Paul shame himself? Or did he say that I've wronged no man? Even when he said that I'm the least of these <clears throat> apostles, what did he say right after? I don't remember the exact words, but I remember the general gist, so please tell me. Because I, it was in my mind when I started and it's gone now. I'm going to be honest, I can't remember. It's yeah. very late, so I, okay, Dude, Donald's was, got us. Yes. He's going to look it up. That, that is so embarrassing. It was in my mind when I started my sentence, and then it just went, whoop. It's fine. This yeah. is the most genuine podcast you'll ever find. Dude, we're uh, the most humble people ever of all time. I don't know if I'd <laughs> say that. <laughs> <laughs> dude, I'm just, like, I'm just like Drax, dude. I'm the most humble man to ever live. Oh, yeah. It, I don't know, man. It's just... Stuff like that happens all the time on here. And I don't know if it's because we're unprofessional or if it's because I, I really don't know. Because I, I don't know if you see Joe Rogan or anybody else. Oh, no, he's absolutely forgot. But he's got a very off-the-cuff podcast. Yeah, he too, really I does. Suppose. I say that, but I don't so, really watch Yeah, I don't, I don't either. I kind of used to. I, all I've like, ever seen is the YouTube shorts that pop up I on do, occasion. I have seen that a lot, too. And there's some crazy stuff that comes up. This is so yeah. off-topic. Dude, I don't have a problem with that. I do I not have a problem with that. I don't feel like when we're on here talking, we need to just be always on the point, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, Donald's hello. got it. Okay, so this is the verse. Is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9 and 10. Paul says, Yes, I am the most insignificant of all the apostles, unworthy even to be called an apostle, because I hunted down believers and persecuted God's church. But God's amazing grace has made me who I am. Notice how he said, it's made me who I am. He he mentions the things that he did in the past, but he makes it very prevalently clear that that's not even a part of him anymore. That is not who he is. 
And God's grace has made that. He has no shame. He talked in Romans. In Romans, I think you know the verse better than I do, Tim, where he spoke on the fact that we as Christians are not meant to carry shame with us mm-hmm. because he had no shame. That doesn't mean that he pretended like he's never, although he did at one point, I know, say, uh, I've wronged no man. Right. But at the same time, in that verse, he's not pretending like he's never done anything wrong. Right. He knows. But he knows that that's not his identity. Exactly. Is it, he he didn't he didn't even, at that time when he was doing all those things he didn't even know who he was he he did not know the the fullness of God I guess he he didn't really truly understand the character of God who God was and what was taking place that all of that to say you know that that's just that's just a huge thing that's going on uh, in 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 our churches and whatever other form of ministry but uh yeah no so the main point of the topic that we just talked about was you know my main thing that I want to get across to you Jesus lived sinless because of his submission and reliance upon God and not himself mm-hmm. Because it's almost like a booby trap that's set. Like our humanity is a trap. As soon as, as soon as we're born into the world, flesh and sin are already out to get us. And Jesus knew that. Jesus understood that. So if the remedy to that sickness is God, I, I best... I best instead of trying to treat myself through whatever crazy methods. Like a medieval man yeah. with leeches. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of one thing too, because I hear a lot of people uh, say, well, this is better than that, you know, like trying to substitute one thing for another. Like substitute meth for all, uh, really over the top drinking habits. It's like you're replacing one awful thing with the other. And uh, that's just not how it works. You're just making the wounds worse. Um, The remedy to all of that, to all of this, is God. Complete and utter submission and reliance upon God. I want to say, oh crap, you were about to talk again. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. No, you're fine. I may have looked like it, but I I was not. Okay. Well, I do want to say as well, and... um, I feel like, you know, sometimes people will hear what we just said. Hear what we just said about, you know, relying on God in that way and not trying to just do it yourself, you know, not trying to DIY this whole Jesus thing Mm -hmm. and instead relying on him. And some people will just have this innate anger reaction, this innate sense of no, no, no. And for a lot of those folks, it's because it's what they've been doing their whole lives. They've been trying to fight their own fight. And like, just to hear, for some, for, for, it was like this for me when I initially heard it. I think Donald had the same issue. And I don't know if you had the same problem or not, Tim. But it's like that feeling of, then what was the point of me doing this the whole time? Right. I don't want that to be true because then everything <clears throat> I've done is pointless instead of just being like, oh, thank God. Yeah. All that effort, I didn't need to put it in, mm-hmm. so I don't anymore. Just let your waters rush over me, God, because you can just take me. 
exactly. instead of me doing it myself. Yeah, because dude, our, our 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 willpower will never. It's not power. Humanity was not powerful enough to to thwart sin and the desires of the flesh, dude. So, I mean, and that's why God came down in in human form to save us from that, and to also give us an example of the way. Like, that's what I'm getting at. Jesus was the example for us. To, I mean, everybody knows universally. Jesus was the example for the way to live our lives. Okay, what's one thing that Jesus did in order to stay sinless? Uh, he relied on God. <laughs> he stayed, his mindset was on God, on the kingdom, and he stayed in that. Maintain, he didn't maintain it. God maintained him because he stopped trying to swat away the creator's hands, the sculptor's hands, and allowed him to mold him the way that he needed to be molded. Because otherwise, his humanity would have not been able to do it. That's what we got to understand. We got to step out of the way so that God can be God. But anyway, um, on to our next point. What's up? Oh, what's real up? quick, uh, before we, we jump into that, I just wanted to add a little something uh, that our youth pastor has said in like his, I think his class at Winter Conference, mm-hmm. but it's uh, it's just a small little thing uh, to stop focusing on discipline and to start focusing on fascination. Yes, yes, Just yes. Oh, fascination yeah, with Jesus. Actually, brother, brother Blackburn. <laughs> brother. <laughs> oh, we're children. Oh, we're we're little, little kids. Blood, blood. But anyway, he, he commented on a post that uh, Zarek had made, and he said that, when we focus on sin, we become sin conscious. Because mm. the post was about, you know, stop focusing on getting away from sin and start focus on, focusing on getting closer to Jesus. And he said that, you know, when you focus on sin, it makes you conscious of the sin. Mm-hmm. But when you focus on Jesus, it makes you conscious of him. Right. You know, it makes you focused on him. So mm-hmm. stop focusing on discipline and start focusing on fascination. That's good, brother. <laughs> a lot of people get like very torn up when they feel temptation. The big thing is, is that temptation will always come. There will always be some. There, Satan's always going to be trying to come at you with temptation. Temptation is not sin. I, right, exactly. I, I cannot make that clear enough. Yeah. Jesus was tempted. It says it yeah. in Hebrews directly that he yeah. was tempted. There's nothing wrong with that. That doesn't take away from the divinity of God or or anything like that. It was, it's the humanity of it all, dude. It's the human. It's the humanity of it. The and the remedy to that is God. Like I said, temptation is not like when you feel temptation, you haven't failed. Just the where you where you could say that you fail at is if oh well, I'm tempted. I've got to give in. That's just that's just literally. That would be like going into war with a massive army and having every, you, you, you just know you're going to win. Or Well, the chances of you winning are 100%, and you see the first sign of an enemy. There's just one guy with a little pistol, and you're like, oh, wow, okay, everybody... <laughs> Get out the tanks. Park, park the helicopters. <laughs> it's over. 
just the entire U.S. Army yeah, versus the whole one little U gun, man. Yeah, the whole U.S. Army surrenders to Luxembourg. That, that's they give up what, to 1842 gunman. Yeah, that's that's what that's what like surrendering to temptation is like. It's giving up to something that can be overcome easily. And you notice how I said, you know, God maintained and sustained Jesus. He can sustain you through the temptation so that you don't fall into the sin. He can sustain. It doesn't mean you're not going to suffer. He never promised you wouldn't. That and, and your suffering will allow you to be more intimate with God and intimate with others who struggle with the same temptations. It, 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 it opens up a door for you to be open with others. Mm -hmm. I want to add something else. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try not to add too much because I don't want us to run for forever. We're not going to be going much yeah. longer. But, you know, just to uh, sort of add one other thing, there was something that said, was said at camp I definitely very much agree with. I think it might have also been Blake Novell who said this, but I might be wrong. When you say it, I'll know. But it was basically that we can, to an extent, we can find ourselves saying, oh, well, Satan made me do this. I, it was Jacob Butler, you're right, it's Pastor Jacob Butler. I was wondering, I was thinking it was either Pastor Blake or Pastor Jacob, yeah, but I believe it was, it was Pastor definitely Jacob. Jacob Butler. But basically what he said was we can often give in to temptation when we were fully capable of giving in to God and avoiding it, and we knew we were, mm -hmm. but still choose to give in to it and use the excuse in our heads, oh, well, you know, uh, it's just the devil did it to me. Right. The devil did it to me. Like, I, I didn't play any role. Now, that's not to sort of avoid what was said before about sin being a sickness. Right. It is. But there's a middle ground to where we can definitely make a choice mm -hmm. to get past that point to where we understand God and we understand Him really and truly and, and kind of make this excuse for ourselves to still purposefully live in sin right. when we have the full capability of not living in it. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense, I want to word that in a way properly because I don't want it to come off as religious. Because if I did, then I said it wrong. Uh, I mean, well, here here's an analogy that just that just popped into my head. Imagine you are like in awful condition in the hospital and you're suffering from uh, some kind of either disease or you're hurt. You're just hurt. All right. Well, a nurse comes in with some medicine for you to take. Well, uh, you you it would be like denying that medicine mm -hmm. God God would be the nurse in that situation walking up and saying hey I know you feel awful right now here's something to help you get through it that offers the medicine and it would be like you just refusing it that that's how I kind of look at it it's like God is coming in with a remedy to it all it, it's up to you to refuse it or allow yourself to be healed it's a process so don't get don't get mad if you don't get it right off oh, the bat and yeah. so that's another thing a lot of people uh you know struggle with is everybody expects themselves to get everything down pat right off the bat not, not even the Israelites got it right down off the bat when they no. got out of Israel. No, they or, did uh, not. Egypt. No, they, they got a lot <laughs> yeah. of stuff wrong. Yeah, go, go read it, dude. You'll, you'll find out. You'll find out real quick. But, like, there, there's, that's a really good example because, I mean, 
And they didn't just stop there on their on their journey way on their way home. They didn't. It didn't just stop there. They had to learn for decades, even longer. Centuries. Yes. To adapt to a way of God and still didn't even have it right by the time Jesus came. And it's like, I, I don't know, man. It's just it's crazy stuff. But um, did you have something, Trent? No, I think I was just about to say we should definitely go ahead and yeah. move on to the next Yeah, that's point. what I was about to do. Okay, so I, I think this is your point. Mm-hmm. So this is, we do not follow God to be seen. Matthew 23, verses 2 through 7. Uh, yeah, I was not initially going to lead with reading that verse, but I do think it would be better if I did first. I got uh, so, yeah, starting at verse 2, and this is Jesus talking, by the way. He's speaking on the Pharisees. The religious scholars and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat as the authorized interpreters of the law. So listen and follow what they teach, but do not do what they do. For they tell you to do one thing and then they do another. They tie on your backs an an oppressive burden of religious obligation and insist that you carry them, but will never lift a finger to ease your load. Now that first part is somewhat separate from the rest of the verse, but I just, I really liked that. I really liked that. I, w- I don't know if y'all can think of a way to speak on that after I finish reading the rest of the verse. If you can, please do. I love, I love that. But going into verse five. Everything they do is done for show and to be noticed by others. They want to be seen as holy so that they can wear oversized prayer boxes on their arms and foreheads with scriptures inside and wear extra long tassels on their outer garments. They crave the seats of highest honor at banquets and their meeting places and how they love to be admired by men with their titles of respect, aspiring to be recognized in public and others have called them reverend. You know, and as I said earlier, when I said that I want to call for introspection in us, this again, because I feel like we can oftentimes find ourselves serving God in public, and it's it's from pride, because part of pride, which is the opposite of humbleness, obviously, part of pride is to want to be admired by others, is is the very strong desire for others to look at you and go, oh wow, they're so smart. Oh man, I've never thought of it like that. And the fact that they said that, I wish I could be like them. I wish I could be as close to God as they are. I wish I prayed like they did. And that's a different desire than wanting to be remembered as a man who is a man of God. That's a very different desire. There's a difference between trying to be a light and trying to be seen. Mm -hmm. There is a very large difference. One, you're trying to lead people to God. And in the other, you're trying to lead people to see how cool you are. Yeah. And we, I think, need to introspect our hearts regularly for this because I've fallen into this. Yeah, I think we all have. I mean, every every person is is definitely like has had that experience for mm-hmm. sure. Because I, I can say that I have. I mean, it's almost like it's a it's a. I would say that it's almost like a built-in desire mm-hmm. to want to be admired, and. I think it plays into also not knowing who you are because you're admired by God. And if you don't know that, of course, you're going to be constantly trying to get that attention from other people. And uh, you know, I, I feel like 
once you get your mind set on the fact that, you know, because, I mean, think about it. God, God doesn't go out of his way to be seen or, or, or to be heard. He only, uh, he only gets at people who allow him to. He's only seen by those who seek him. He himself knows that there's people who don't admire him, who don't praise him, who in fact curse him day in and day out. I mean, you literally got people in the temple of Satan and other stuff. I mean, dude, you got some crazy stuff out there who are just openly denouncing God. And uh, that's... God knows that. And he knows that even though he loves those people, he loves them because, I mean, the guy created them. The deal is, is that whether or not they admire him, he knows everything is still good. Mm-hmm. Everything's still good because there are always going to be people, his sons and daughters, who will love him, who will acknowledge him, and praise all, just, just every bit of that. But yeah, um, so was that your point? No, I mean, that wasn't all of it. I definitely do have some more stuff. Go for it. I'd like to add on to that. But I think my recommendation is, is it's a practice that I started. Before I choose to do an action, why am I doing it? Right. Why do I want to speak on stage? Why? Is it because I want to spread God, spread God's word and have people genuinely get something out of it that helps them? Or is it because I want to get up there and have all the pastors that that I admire think, oh, wow, he's a great up-and-comer. And because I want everybody sitting in the pews to go, oh, wow, he's, he's such a fantastic speaker. Is that my reasoning for coming up there, or is it to actually make a difference? Another good example is there's an old saying, it, before you can hold a mic, you better hold a, to- uh, a, toilet brush. a toilet brush. And I feel like a lot of people have, and I love that saying, that saying's great. I feel like a lot of people have this perspective that once you pick up the mic, you put down the toilet brush. And that's all about getting that mic. Mm-mm. And that's why I hold the toilet brush. Mm-mm. No. Because it's always about servants, service mm-hmm. and servanthood mm-hmm. to God and others. It's almost like you you hold you pick up the toilet brush first and then you hold the mic afterwards. So you're picking up the toilet brush and then while the toilet brush is in your hand, you're also picking up the mic and speaking up on stage with the toilet brush in hand. Don't actually do that, by the way. But it, it's just, uh, it's, in, uh, it's a metaphor in saying, always be in service and allow yourself to be humbled by both God and others, the, the people placed in your life to humble you, um, whilst, you know, working for the kingdom. You're, you holding that brush is in contribution to the kingdom and to people. So, and, and at the same time, you're also shepherding or giving a word or whatever you might be doing. You may not even be upstage preaching a message. You could be doing anything else. Um, it's going to minister to someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, I 
completely lost the point I was about to say. There it goes once again. Man, this is happening to me a lot today. Anybody else got something for the moment while I try to, you know, get this train back on the tracks? I have nothing. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, this is terrible, Donald. Well, we can either um, stall or we can move on. I think I got it. I think I got it. It took me a moment. Trains back on the, it, it derailed. We've done a lot of work, you know, fixing the rails, making sure everything's back in place. I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose I think you're still again. stalling. I'm not, I promise <laughs> I'm not. Okay, so uh, Pastor Mark actually told us a story from the Bible when he first made his way ministers. And it's always stuck with me, and I've read the book of Judges, and that is, that is one, that is a book. The stuff that happens in that book is just, that's besides the point. <laughs> but in, in the book of Judges, Samson is probably the most famous of the judges that was in that book. And there was at one point, and I'm trying to remember the story fully, where he needed a geyser to come up. And he prayed and God did it. And instead of naming it something to glorify God, he named it something to glorify himself. And I feel like a lot of us have that attitude to where we use God to glorify ourselves. And it can be a serious problem when, like I said, we get on stage to glorify ourselves and not God, and yet we act like we do it in God's name. I don't, once again, I don't want to come off as religious, and if I am, then I'm saying it wrong. Mm -hmm. But I do feel like, to an extent, that's insulting. And that's not to say God can't work through it. He does. God worked through Samson, despite his craziness. God worked through Samson. And even sometimes when we go up there with full pride in hand, he'll still work through us. He will. Mm -hmm. But I do feel like to a certain extent, that's kind of insulting. I mean, it is. Because, I mean, you think about the glory. We're, we're working for the glory of the kingdom, you know, to, to just be in full in in those in those situations and if we're trying to it's kind of like that situation in acts they sold everything but kept some to themselves not saying that it was completely wrong it You're was the fact the husband and wife yes duo? yes yeah. I, I can't remember exactly where that's in in acts but you know it's where peter goes and you know they kind of like die because uh, I, I think it was the Holy Ghost that kind of, you know, murked them. He also said, like, the coldest line in the entire Bible <laughs> right after. Like, I think the wife came back and he said something along the lines of, your husband came in here and now he's dead and you'll join him or something like along those lines. Yeah. Which is just freaky. Can you imagine? <laughs> It'd be like me walking into my house after a long day of work and finding Annie. <laughs> <laughs> That's his girlfriend, by the way. Yeah, that, that is my uh, girlfriend. Um, it would be, oh my God, that's awful. I don't even know. And then just a highly regarded minister sitting. Bishop Branson. Yeah, Bishop, Bishop Ramsey sitting in the recliner. Why is this so funny? <laughs> I don't know. Bishop Ramsey's sitting in the recliner. He's like, all right, Tim. 
Where's the money? <laughs> like, oh. Bishop Ramsey, what'd you do? <laughs> you got it? You got it pulled yeah. up? Cause, okay. Hold on, I want to read this. This is Acts chapter 5, verse 9. So, he's talking to Sapphira. It was Ananias and Sapphira. Those are the two people. So, Peter told her, Why have you agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? I hear the footsteps of those who buried your husband at the door. Oh they're, they're coming here to bury you too. <laughs> oh my god! We shouldn't be laughing about this. This is we awful. really shouldn't. This this is, a, it's because I wasn't expecting it. Oh wow, that's way worse than this. I remember, dude. Yeah. Oh, why are we laughing like this? <sighs> oh, I'm sorry. Well, you gotta consider too. Our humor is all out of whack. But anyway, I'm sure others are laughing with us. Dude, it's just like, that's not the type of thing you expect a minister of God to say yeah. to a woman. I can, I can hear you. The footsteps of the people who come to bury your husband. You think he thought of that off the top, or he was waiting for her to get back, and he was just thinking about it for like an hour? <laughs> what do I say there? <laughs> Walking back and forth. That's what Bishop Ramsey's doing in the recliner. He's waiting. What do I say to Tim? But anyway, enough of that. Are we done with that yes, uh, point? Yeah, I think we've ran through it. All of that, we wanted to try and make this episode short and concise for at least 30 minutes long. Yeah, we've gone over we 20 failed. minutes. Yeah, but a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of stuff just came along with the pro uh, with the process of getting the episode finished, um, and that happens a lot. Is it, it just points coming up that it's just Holy Ghost led, and. Uh, you know, Those jokes might not have been, though. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe, you know, if God has a sense of humor, maybe he was kind of chuckling with us. I, I hope. But anyway, that's, that's irrelevant. All of this to say, the last and final point, process of becoming humble. You know, we, we've talked about people suffering from pride and whatnot and guilt and shame all of that all tying in with uh, pride. How, how do we get rid of pride? Dude, allow, allow God to take it away. It's, it's kind of coming to a point to where thinking, no, none of this benefits me in any way, shape, form, or fashion. I'm, I'm miserable with pride over my shoulder whispering, telling me that I need to do this so that people will think of me this way. You know, you're constantly trying to feed this, this inner voice that's telling you to do this and that so that you feel validated and you'll never feel validated. Allow God to replace that voice with His so that He can perfect you in the manner in which where, where he, he reveals his character to you and your identity so that you never have to worry about pleasing anyone or yourself again. With all that being said, unless you guys have one little last point to add. Um, so, as Donald said, that Zarek said, uh, it's about being captivated by God. Mm -hmm. It really is. It's about being so captivated that your pride just doesn't matter anymore 
It's about your eyes being so focused on God that you don't want them to be focused on your pride and your insecurities anymore. It's when you let him envelop you so much to the point where, where your shame and your insecurities disappear, that pride just goes right along with them. It's about being in his presence and being around him because his presence proves to you how loved you are. His presence proves to you exactly how, you see, how, how he sees you and that he made you in his image, that you're in his image. So there's no point in having that pride because it doesn't even matter and it just it disappears naturally and it happens over time. It's not an overnight process. You're not gonna get in God's presence one day, wake up the next morning and all your pride's just, whoop, it's gone. Hey, yeah. hallelujah. Yeah. It's a process just like sin mm-hmm. is. Well, we, we might be sick and it might not be an instant recovery. There's not any magical, you know, just take this and you'll wake up feeling great again. Yeah, like one of those like instant fat loss pills yeah, for pride. Yeah. Dude, take this. You'll be ripped in the morning. Yeah, no, that that's all of that's ridiculous. If you take that, you will die of a heart attack. More than likely. So, yeah, you're welcome for that advice. Anyway, uh, big thing is, again, just allow God to come in and take that. That's 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 self-sacrifice. That's allowing your that that's that's the kind of sacrifices he needs today. Not nothing, nothing like an animal or anything like that. He needs us to be willing to give up ourselves and submit ourselves and everything that we struggle with, everything that hurts us, everything that's working against us. He wants us to sacrifice it to him so that he can take care of it and work in us, replace all of that with himself. With all that being said, I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. Uh, Give us some feedback on whether or not you would like to see the episodes get a little shorter. Um, We hope that you're enjoying the podcast so far. I know that every time I come in to do an episode with these guys or anyone else, I feel like I'm learning something in the process of making the episode. And, uh, you know, I I hope that we can speak and and bless your lives. And I know I'm being blessed by doing this. Um, It's just a a process of growth and learning. But give us some feedback on what you think about the podcast. We'd love to hear. Let us know if we're being a little too silly. Yeah. If you'd like us to be more objective-based. Yes. Because that is... Definitely pads out a runtime. Yeah. So if you'd like us to sort of lay off the jokes as insanely difficult as it will be, I'll need God's strength. But if you want us to do that, we absolutely will. Because I guess, I guess yeah. we will. Because or if you want us to be more silly, we can do that too. Yeah, yeah, we can do that. <laughs> we are fully capable of yeah, it, I promise. We'll turn We're it from, holding back. We'll turn it from a, a ministry of seriousness to a ministry of laughs. Yeah. Anyway... Um, is that all, guys? I think it should be, yeah. All right. Well, without further ado, my name is Timothy Dotson. I'm Trenton Alak. And I'm Donald Garrett. And you have been listening to The Passion Cast. Mm-hmm.